Hey, North Star community or listeners, whether you're part of our community or not, this is Scott. I am the associate pastor at North Star Community. I am joined this week, as always, by Teresa, who is the co-pastor with Scott at North Star Community. We are recapping message from the first weekend in April, which was on maturity. Yes. Do we have anything we need to talk about first? Any fun stories from the week or the weekend? Well, you know what I would say is I think that this is going to be a really hard message to podcast because some of the visuals were so beautiful. Oh, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, maybe at the end I'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, We have been talking in general terms about boundaries. Uh, We've been talking about what is our responsibility, what is ours to do, what is not ours to do. Uh, we've been talking about how complicated it is to figure yep. that out. Yeah. So we've talked about, um, let's see, I did a message a few weeks ago, and I can't remember, on validation, how it's very hard to figure out what is ours to do and what it is not ours to do if we um, don't receive our validation from the right place. Right. Uh, we talked about wisdom and the role that that plays in it and our ne- our, our, our need to rely on other people. For wisdom and how that can inform our ability to to be responsible um, and all of that was following um, a couple of messages that you did just very practically speaking on look you can't control what other people think feel or do you can only control what you think feel or do and yada 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 that's right. what we've been talking about that's the space we've been in right and so this week you started a conversation on maturity now uh, maybe you had a specific reason for choosing maturity in, in light of this series. I assume that you did. Or did you think, or did you think of it as starting a new series? How, how were you thinking about it? Well, actually, I was thinking about it. It was in response to the way I uh, reacted to a question from the audience in the week that you had done a message where you had talked about this is what a glimpse of the kingdom of God looks like. Mm-hmm. And you gave that was the validation message. Yeah, and you gave this beautiful illustration of a twelve-year-old boy we know who has really, in spite of great odds against this happening, uh, responded in such a loving way in our live wires ministry to a newcomer. You were like, "This is the kingdom of God," and it was just a beautiful example. The example was about the kid helping a newcomer feel loved, right? Because he recognized how important that was because he doesn't feel like he has enough of it. Right. So that was the piece. And so we were saying that was the reason that looks like the kingdom of God is because that's the place where we know that we are loved and included. Right. So in light of that example, and, and you said this is a glimpse of the kingdom of God, and somebody asked you the question, why only a glimpse? Yeah, I think I had suggested that. Uh, that that was sort of the most we could hope for maybe yeah. in this life was a glimpse. Yeah. So, yeah. So you were your message was about this is the most we can hope for and this is quite lovely. And then the question was why only a glimpse, which is a great and logical question uh, to your premise, I think. And so it was a very stimulating question for me. And, um, and more than that, it was an interesting exercise for me because of first the way I reacted and then later on 
how I responded to the question as I processed it through in my daily quiet time. So I spent quite a bit of time processing it through. And it led me to the question of maturity. But I don't think this was a new series because I think that one of the reasons my brain went there was because when we've been talking about in this series boundaries and what's mine to do and what's not mine to do, it implies that this is part of the maturation maturation process. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, then it's really important to ask what is maturity? And uh, I don't know that I was so conscious of it so much as it was it. I didn't seek to answer that question. The The question came about as I went and looked at scriptures that had immediately come to my mind when the question was asked. Right. Okay. So there were a series of scriptures that came to my mind, Hebrews, 1 Corinthians, and James. All, the, all three books? All three books. In their entirety? Yes, because, you know, <laughs> I've got the Bible memorized. Yep, there you go. <laughs> but three particular passages in there that sort of spoke to the lack of maturity um, and its problems for us. So, And you read those passages. Well, did you, did you need to finish that or can I? No, go ahead. Can, uh, can I jump in? Um, you read those passages in a very particular way that I think had people who were used to coming to North Star confuse. Right. And it was pretty funny. Even I had, I was not sure what you were, do- I mean, I knew instantly that you were up to something and I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't uh, clever enough perhaps to figure out exactly what you were up to, but you Did were reading. Did it eventually get clear? Yes. Yes. Okay, it, it was absolutely clear. Uh, but I was uh, sitting back there sort of chuckling to myself in a way internally because I was like, I could tell that some people were just really, well, okay, we'll unpack that later. Some people were, I think, on board with the way you were reading, which which is not a good thing, and you can explain why in a minute. And then other people were like, what's happening? Right. This isn't what happens here. Right. This isn't what normally happens here. She doesn't Um, normally try to shame us. In right. such a blatant way, right? Uh, yeah, so that's what I was going to ask is is how how were you reading those passages and why? And I think you just said it. You were. No, I've got a better answer than what, than, than what I just said. You were reading them in a very shaming tone of voice, which is very I unusual. I was channeling. You were channeling. Jim Carrey's The Grinch when his heart was three sizes too small. Okay. <laughs> Method acting. Method acting. And mm-hmm. it was from a point of shame and sarcasm and blaming. But you didn't tell ba- people you I were didn't. doing that in advance. So you let them, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess it felt like they had to sit down in a swamp for a little while or something. They did. And, and at one point, I added some words to it like, you, you lazy so-and-so lazy so-and-so or whatever. So-and- and one of our good friends in the community, Dave, said, it doesn't say that. <laughs> and I love that so much about him and what he said, because it was so great that that he was reacting to this, like, this isn't what this means or says. I don't, I don't know where you're going, and I don't know what this means or says, but this is contrary to everything you've ever said, right? Which t- took some, you would have to have... Um, 
sat down here for a while and learned, a lot of people don't ever really learn that skill set of right. like you read this passage and it's like somebody tells you this is what it says, but you're like, those words that you used are not there. Right. You know, right. like you could follow, you could add you lazy so-and-so to a lot of Bible passages at a lot of churches across the country and nobody would say a peep about it because it's just like, yeah, yeah, if you read it in the right tone of voice, it sounds like that. Right. So that was, I, I was impressed with him as well. Hey, it doesn't say that. Yeah, like, it was really impressive. It was instantly. Mature. Yep. It yeah. was It was like instant accountability. Yeah. Hey, cut that out. Yeah. Cut that out. It doesn't say that. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> to which I said, <laughs> I'm trying to make a point here. Pipe down. <laughs> but, you know, Be I, I read these three verses, all of which were, were saying, look, as a believer, you're you're created to be a meat and potatoes kind of guy, but I've got to give you milk because you're you you can't handle the meat and potatoes. You're a baby. I mean, there's a translation well, that used the word. You're immature. Yeah, and you know what? Like there probably was a bit of bite and snarkiness to the way he wrote that, but not because every audience who ever read it was supposed to feel ashamed. It was because there was conflict going on there. Right. And that's the piece that I think gets lost in translation is like, we're not, not all of us are learning the same lesson as the original audience, right. which was, you know, misbehaving in some ways or, or perhaps getting too big for their britches. Right. There are lessons in those words that are also for people who are not too big for their britches. And I think that tends to be our crowd. Yeah. The people who end up here are not often people who are too big for their spiritual britches. They're right. people who think that, they don't I hate to keep using the word britches, but they're they're more like people who are like, I don't I, I'm not worthy of wearing I'm spiritual not fit to pants. Walk, walk in these yeah. shoes to change the clothing metaphor. Right. <laughs> um yeah. So So you it know, has to be adapted, and I think that's what you did well, which is you were showing how important it is to adapt the overall message for the uh, specific audience, which I think is a, is a key part of how you treat those challenging passages that sound so shaming. Well, and, and I think the, the point I was making was like from my own experience, it's like if you come wearing shame eyeglasses, then that's the tone you hear every passage. Right. And, and uh, we as pastors, I think, uh, have a responsibility to keep calling out, you have on glasses that are reading this in a in a different way than necess is necessarily appropriate. Right. So anyway, and people can't do that. People, I I think most people can't take off the glasses they've been given. Right. You know, and I think that's what it's our responsibility to do that for them. Right. I think. I mean, as the as the people leading those conversations. And you know, I had to take the glasses off for myself because when the question was asked. My shame glasses went on and I heard that and I was like, the only reason we get a glimpse is because we're not doing our work. We're immature. We're babies. That isn't the voice of the essence of who I am. That is the leftover stench of being taught from a shame-based perspective. Mm -hmm. And I had to take a few days, uh, maybe a couple of weeks to readjust and allow my time of prayer, meditation, study, consideration, and thoughtfulness to lift the glasses off my face. Mm -hmm. 
And so, uh, so yeah, I was, so I asked the crowd, you know, and this will get lost in translation in the podcast, I'm afraid, but we spent time at the whiteboard saying, what do you think it needs to be mature and what strengths do you have to get mature? And or what, pe- I think you asked, what strengths would you need? What strengths would you need yeah. to be this mature? So and as that, an as an audience member watching that unfold, I, can I describe this yeah, part since I was yeah. out there, not up there? Um, it was, again, so me being in the audience and often I... Whoa, Sorry, I spoke too loud. Um, often I will uh, see the messages twice. So, you know, by Sunday morning, it's like, okay. But so th- so this was a weekend where I only saw it once, which meant um, everything was new. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so she asked the question, uh, what is maturity? What, what would it look like for you to be mature? And you were very... Uh, specific with people, you you wouldn't settle for generic answers about maturity. It was like, what would, you know, I think you mentioned Tom earlier. You, 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 it was essentially like, what qualities does Tom think Tom needs to have in order to be mature, right? right? I mean, and so right. that's, that's often, people often answer that question very differently than what does maturity look like? Right. And so you were, you were really like, no, 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 what do you actually believe? And then what would you need in your life? What would you need to be present in order to actually be mature? And so it starts off, you know, you see a few traits and it's like, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds Patience. good. Yeah. By the end, you had a list of like 20 things. Oh, yeah. And then the list of, of strengths that you would need in order to have those 20 qualities was maybe three times that length. Right. Uh, and so the effect was... Uh, by the end of it, um, I think uh, until you made the point you were going to make, it was like you you went from you, everybody felt very deflated. I right. think it's it was like oh my gosh, um, when you see the board and you see all those traits and you see all the strengths you would need to have those traits and you need both of those things in order to be mature or all of those things in order to be mature. It was just like everybody had this sense of like if this is maturity. It's never happening. I'm never getting to the meat and potatoes. Right. And um, and so then we flip the board around, and I asked the question, uh, what does God enjoy about you? Right. What about you gives God pleasure? And there were these lovely answers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful, sacred characteristics of people. Um, And uh, somebody said playful. Somebody else said my capacity for laughter. Somebody else said um, um, my willingness to ask God hard questions. Mm -hmm. Curiosity. Curiosity. I mean, all these lovely things. And everybody kind of had a smile on their face, right? Yeah, it was pretty... Pretty it, joyful. Um, just lightened, lightness came into and, and Whereas so, uh, everything from maturity was, was like, like just kind oh, of depressing. Yeah. It's just sort of like, <laughs> you got to be better than Jesus. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, Jesus was a slacker, you know. And, um, and also, they both struggled to answer the 
enjoy that they were startled by the second question, but also they were better at actually answering that question personally when they thought about it. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a, a struggle to get personal on the maturity question. Um, and I think it was because they, like me, were kind of stuck in this place of the shoulds and oughts of what you ought to do, you know, follow all Ten Commandments, be good, be better than Jesus kind of stuff. But when they began to think about what do they think, oh, somebody else said gardening, you know, taking care of God's earth, you know. Yep. So it was all very lovely. So then we went back to the passage of Scripture, and I said to them, um, so could it be that we looked at this through the wrong lens and that this second part of the whiteboard, paying attention to when you are aware that God enjoys you Mm -hmm. is a better indicator of you having a moment of maturity than putting your nose to the grindstone and daring to believe that you're supposed to be better than Jesus. And so then I said, what? Which generally, if you believe that, it's not going to, it's not a productive strategy for living a faithful life because all it does is you end up feeling worthless and that your efforts are all in vain because they're not big enough and you give up, right? So it's like, there's nothing wrong with trying to be like Jesus. Uh, neither one of us believes that, and so I just want to be clear on that. Right. The point is, if you think you need to be exactly like Jesus, or that, better than, or better than, <laughs> um, it's that's it's not it's it's unhelpful. It's not a strategy that really creates the outcome that you want, which is. You know, if if being a faithful person is an outcome that you want, then you want to think about the strategy that you're using to accomplish that. Right. And so then I in I concluded um, on on. So you don't want to choose a strategy that's that's that, that's only outcome is failure. Right. right. And yeah. you know, the you said failure and stop trying, but the other option is start lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's either stop trying or start lying to yourself and others and super spiritualizing yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So then at the end, I says, what if we went back to these same scriptures and we said, what's wrong with acknowledging that we are babies, that we are dependent? Doesn't this make more, doesn't this make more sense and hold up better under the scrutiny of the totality of scripture? Because wasn't it Jesus who said uh, that unless we are like little children, we can't enter the kingdom of God? You know, haven't we also been taught in Corinthians that it's in our weakness that God's strength is made manifest? So then I said, um, oh, and my gosh, I wish we had a video of this. So then I said to the crowd, what's wrong with being a baby? Now, at this point, I'm overstretching the metaphor, right? Because we do want to grow up in our salvation, right? But we don't need to think Change change the paradigm. And so I went up and picked up your daughter. Well, I think just to complete that thought that you had, mm-hmm. it's good to grow. But in, in exercising our best non-dualistic thinking, that's not the same thing as saying it's bad to be young. Right. Right. Whether you're talking about literal age or 
in your in your faith journey, as it were. Right. So I picked up your daughter, who's a little over a year old, had a marvelously cute outfit on, as she always does, cute little rompers, little shorts, and her little chubby legs were showing, and she had on her cute little pink shoes. Yep. And um, I said, this is not bad. This is not a bad thing. And then she did what I love. Mm-hmm. She began to wave to the audience. Yep. Right. And the crowd began to wave back to her. And I got to tell you, from my position, it was a glimpse of the kingdom of God. To see that she was reaching out to them, hello, I see you, you're lovely people. And they were waving back to her, we see you and you are lovely and we are happy We are happy to see you. It was a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, and it was enough. And I just think in a world that teaches us we need more, 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 a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven is enough because it is so beautiful that even a glimpse of it takes your breath away. And in addition, um, it's not all that's going to be. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of um, sort of the, that's the point that often gets lost in conversations like that is why don't we get more? Why don't we have, you know, life would be so much better if we had a full but it's if we had a full glimpse, you know, rather than a partial glimpse. And it's like, that's where patience comes into play. That's where faith comes into play. That's where hope comes into play. Because for God, you know, this is probably maybe relatively, I don't know how God experiences time, but this is probably relatively short and there's more coming. And that's part of our responsibility as faithful people is to always remember that there's more coming. Yeah. And that the glimpse is is what keeps the hope alive, yeah. right? That the plan is not yet accomplished, and when it will be, then we will have everything. But sit tight for a while right? and acknowledge the glimpses. And I don't know how other people uh, respond to this, but I got to say, in my own personal experience, I have found so much more joy and contentment in getting to the place where I can acknowledge that I am young, Mm -hmm. and that I am a work in progress, and that, as my friend Dale Ryan likes to say, God is not impatient with the time it's taking me to grow. And um, it's okay. And from that perspective creates sort of an air of curiosity and teachableness and humility. And... uh, it really is what opens up the possibility for growth yeah, in a way that all so. that anxiety, you know, you know, all that anxiety about what you should be, what you shouldn't be. You're either it, trying or lying. Yeah. And it's not. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. It, it ultimately makes you frozen. It makes me think about, um, do you remember back when you were doing your psychology degree when, when they talked about Albert Ellis? Yes. Uh, do you remember what he used to say about shoulds? 
No. What did he used to say about shoulds? So his big thing, his big part of his big contribution to psychological theory was the idea that um, a lot of people's anxieties and sort of maladaptive behaviors and stuff was a result of the discrepancy between how they themselves would want to live versus what's expected of them. Right. So all of their shoulds. Oh, yeah. So he had a phrase about, it was something like, you need to stop shooting all over yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a pretty good phrase. <laughs> so I Somebody think- else has a th- same kind of theory about that that's talking about that that disconnect is, creates a lot of rage and resentment. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's um, a lot of talk about authenticity. Um, but yes, and I, I mean, I think that, that phrase, I think, is, is what I thought about in the aftermath of your message and thinking about the podcast was, um, this was a stop shooting all over yourself right. kind of message. And you drew that out by sort of forcing people to should all over themselves. Um, and then everybody realized, like, wait a second, this isn't really how we've been taught to believe here. Right. But it was only through that that really opened up, you know, and then the example with Nora at the end is like now people are sitting on the other side and they are getting the experience of perhaps being a creator looking down on what he loves. Right. Uh, Because everybody looks at Nora with love. Yeah, you can't help it. uh, At least right now. She's just a love bucket. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we always will. I don't know how everybody else will. Well, the thing of it is, too, is uh, I got an email it's not unusual for me to get emails, follow-ups with my message, um, but I got- Stop an, bragging. Uh, oh, no. They're usually <laughs> critical. <laughs> Please. We get it. You you have email. <laughs> <laughs> Did you consider the implications of what you said, young lady? Um, no wonder God doesn't want women to be anything but barefoot and pregnant. Oh, no. Uh, but- um, um, I don't get that that many of those kind anymore. People have given up on me believing that. But um, I think that I got an email that somebody said, hey, thanks for giving me this word and affirming this word that they had put up. You know, God enjoys me when I am playful and playing and Mm -hmm. creating an environment of play for folks that that. I know that that's true and that's going to be really helpful for me. And um, so in closing, what I would want to say is I think it's a great exercise to ask yourself the question, when in your life do you feel God's pleasure? When I think about that question that I want you to ask yourself about, you know, um, when do you when do you feel God's pleasure in you, right? The chariots of fire quote comes to mind. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. Mm-hmm. Said with a beautiful Scottish accent. Um, I think of times in my work life where I have had small moments where I feel like I felt God's pleasure. But I also feel a supreme amount of God's pleasure when I hold my grandchildren and so it opens up all sorts of possibilities of sacred awareness, of sacred space that maybe you haven't considered in your own life before. So I just challenge you wonderful listeners out there to say, go with where you really get a sense 
that you feel God's pleasure in the very moment that you are actively doing something, um, I think it might be a hint uh, for that, sacred space. Yeah, and I think it ties into what we what we were talking about earlier, which is that that that's a that's that space would be a, a sense that. Um, a sense of that validation that God does yes. love you and that he wants you and that that is such a, you know, that should be the baseline, that should be the leaping off point. It should be the, the just the starting point of a faith journey, but so often the way it works out is it comes very, very deep in that you start to get a sense of that, yeah. which is unfortunate. Um, but yes, when you have that, that is ultimately uh, part of what opens the doors uh, for for growth and and for you to truly begin to um, live as a faithful person, right. rather than just to be a person wrestling with anxiety, right over your faith or lack thereof, right. So stop trying so hard. Stop lying to yourself if that's your methodology of uh, pretending that you uh, are more mature than you are. Yep. Stop shooting all over. Stop yourself. shooting all over yourself if that's your bent. And instead, just maybe try to just get a little more aware of how God enjoys you. Well, uh, I guess we can close the book on that one. I think we can. Uh, the music that you're beginning to hear is from Blue Dot Sessions, which can be found on the web at sessions.blue. If you're new to this podcast, we are North Star Community, as we said at the beginning. You can find us on the web at www.northstarcommunity.com. Uh, you can learn a little bit more about our campaign for Richmond. We're trying to get local businesses involved um, in uh, battling the opiate uh, epidemic and substance use um, in all its forms. Um, the campaign's called Lead the Way. You can find out more about it at leadthewayrva.org. Uh, we'd encourage you to do so. We really appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week.